This is episode 77. How does your metabolism relate to your thyroid? Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast, where we choose to become empowered patients and take our health into our own hands. Hi, I'm Shannon Hansen, a Christian entrepreneur, a mom of three, and after dealing with my own health mysteries, I made it my mission to learn everything I could about the thyroid. I soon became certified as a holistic wellness practitioner, a functional nutrition practitioner, and a functional diagnostic practitioner, and so much more. After that, I founded the revolutionary thyroid program, The Hansen Method. As a health professional and a mom, I fully understand the importance of having a fun, simple, and sustainable plan for achieving a responsive thyroid. So I share actionable and practical strategies for developing a responsive thyroid so that the ambitious moms and women can gain freedom from fatigue and lose the thyroid weight once and for all. Each week, I will be here for you. Along with my guest experts, we will be sharing simple and tangible tips that work for not only your thyroid, your hormones, your family, and your mindset so that you can get back to living the life that you envision for yourself. Welcome to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. Welcome back to the Thriving Thyroid Podcast. You guys, I am so excited. So I wanted to start today's episode off with a quick story about one of our clients. So this is a client that we worked with for quite a while. Um, She's one of our like most favorite clients. She decided that she loved hanging out with us inside the Hanson Method. But I want to kind of give you a little bird's eye view as to her journey. So when she started working with us, um, I believe it was in 2000. Yes. 2021. She came and started working with us inside the Hanson Method. She was one of our very first clients. Um, and she came in and we started working with her and she kind of blew my mind because she was on 225 MCGs of levothyroxine. And I was like, holy freaking moly, that is a ton of thyroid medication. Obviously, (laughs) I think a lot of our clients start out around 175. And so 225 was a huge number. And her thyroid was really at this point where her doctor was like, hey, if we can't get this regulated and figured out here very quickly, um, we're going to just go ahead and have your thyroid removed. Well, obviously, she did not want that option. And so she really started investigating some more natural options. What can I do? How can I balance this out? And ultimately, she landed on the Hansen Method. And in less than six months, you guys... Um, she started going back to her doctor, regular labs, all of the things. And her doctor was like, holy crap, what are you doing? Um, I have never seen this drastic of a change in someone. And so she went from 225 MCGs of levothyroxine down to about 75, um, over the course of a year, maybe have to, I can't remember exactly a year to maybe a year and a half. And Her doctor was very, very impressed. But the reason why I'm telling you guys this story about this client was because one of her underlying big issues was metabolic, okay? And it's really important that you guys understand that our metabolism 
is one of those key players in working with our thyroid, along with blood sugar, along with those types of things. And we will be talking about that here in the upcoming weeks um, as we as we share, because I want to give you guys actionable tips. So let's just dive in and let's see where we go. So first and foremost, what is your metabolism? This word I feel like is thrown around all the time. And I just want to make sure that we understand what the metabolism is and how it relates to the thyroid. So metabolism is a process that converts energy, aka calories, from food and or stored energy from fat or glucagon, <laughs> glycogen, <laughs> I totally messed up that word there, glycogen into an unstable type of energy, aka fuel for the body. And a byproduct of this conversion is heat. And that heat is created, that is created in the body is really important for our body because as our body heats up, we burn calories, okay? So let me break this down a little bit more for you guys. What is the resting me uh, metabolism? Okay, so we also have our metabolism and then this resting metabolism. The amount of energy or calories it takes at rest in a neutral temperature. So let's just pretend here. You wake up in the morning and you don't move and you don't do anything. You don't get up to go to the bathroom. You don't drink water, you don't do anything. That is a neutral state and a neutral temperature. So our environment, well, this environment while our digestive system is inactive is to sustain daily life without activity. So think vegetative state, okay? <laughs> a person's resting metabolism decreases with age and the loss of lean muscle mass, okay? or body mass, muscle mass, body mass, that kind of thing. When one consumes more calories than their resting metabolism, their, their weight will go up. So basically what's happening is you're not burning the calories and therefore the body is going to store the calories, aka food, in the form of fat or glycogen, okay? It's going to store it in the tissues and so on and so forth. And there's a few things I want to really impress upon your mind when it comes to your thyroid. So number one, your metabolism creates heat in your body and it helps to break down food. I want you to take a second and put your hands on your abdomen, meaning skin to skin. So your hand with nothing on it, lift up your shirt, go underneath, put your hand on your abdomen. And I want you to take notice, is it warm? And my guess is probably not. Probably asking yourself, how do you know this? When it comes to your thyroid, about 80% of us are experiencing low stomach acid. And this causes a cascade effect inside of our body. So we're going to experience nutrient deficiencies. Our metabolic rate is going to slow down. Our basal uh, temperature is also going to lower. Um, let me tell you another just really quick story about one of our clients. And why I'm a fan of basal temperatures, even if you're not using it for fertility, I think it's really important to just understand where your basal temperature is. So for this particular client, um, she was postmenopause, 
And so she was like, basal temperature? Like some of us women use these basal temperatures to help track ovulation and help us get pregnant and track our cycles and things like that. Um, so she was kind of confused when we were like, hey, get a basal thermometer and test this. So basal thermometers are really, really cool because not only do they go to the 10th place, but they're going to go one more um, step further. So instead of it being like 98.9, you're going to get 98.95 or whatever it may be. Okay. And her temperature was consistently low. And I'm talking like 96, right? And that tells us that her basal metabolic rate is slow and therefore we need to help create additional heat in her body so that she can lose the weight and get get her metabolism going a little bit more. So with all of those three things, so the nutrient deficiencies, the metabolic rate, um, slowing down and the basal temperature, all of these are going to cause issues like fatigue, brain fog, weight gain, weight resistance, you know, not being able to lose the weight. And so the question really becomes, which one came first? Or why did this happen to me? So let's see if we can kind of figure this out as we go, because everybody is going to be totally different. Um, the reason you may have low stomach acid well, the the reason why you would have low nutritional deficiencies is because of the low stomach acid. And in addition to that, well, what it caused that, it could do a couple different things. One, it could be stress. So when we're under intense amount of stress for long periods of time, our body is going to take that nutrients and use it up a little bit more. And therefore, we have, again, that cascading effect of uh, low stomach acid, nutritional deficiencies, and then lowering the, bas the basal metabolic rate, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So according to an NIH publication on metabolism and thyroid, it states TSH. So that is the big thyroid hormone that is, re that is tested. TSH regulation is modulated by nutritional signs and signals that are given to the body to produce um, hormones such as leptin, as well as the peptides that regulate your appetite. So let's break this down a little bit. So leptin is a hormone that signals to the brain that it is full. And ghrelin, on the other hand, is a signal. It sends a signal to the brain that you are hungry. These are two base hormones that I find a lot of our clients, when they come to work with us, are struggling. They're like, but I just don't feel hungry in the morning. I don't feel hungry until 11 o'clock. And then by that time I am starving and I'm ready to eat all of the things. And I just grab what is, you know, close to me. And that might be vending machine. That might be something quick and easy in the snack room um, or break room or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, and so they're just grabbing that first thing. And then we get on this uh, blood sugar roller coaster. Okay. So anyways, let's keep going here. So while weight gain or difficulty lo losing weight is strongly associated with hypothyroidism, the connection to the body mass index, the BMI, and obes obesity is still not very well understood. Several new studies are examining this and we are beginning to understand this a little bit more as we go. So a study published in 2006 
at the International Journal of Obesity compared to compared BMI and TSH levels in 6,164 adults from 1995 to 2001. And in this study, the higher the BMI associated with the high, associated with a high TSH and an increase in BMI over that six-year period of period of time was positively correlated with an increase in TSH. So basically what happened in that six-year trial was the people who had a higher BMI um, the, and when they started, they had highest TSH levels and then those numbers increased over the six-year period, okay? So that's really important to take notice as we continue going on and, and breaking these things down. So hypothyroidism, metabolism, and obesity, because the thyroid hormone T3 and T4 control cellular metabolism throughout the body, when there is not enough of them for any reason, this metabolic function slows the body down and becomes impaired. The most common cause of hypothyroidism is autoimmune called, and that is the Hashimoto's hypothyroid, Hashimoto's um, thyroiditis. There we go. <laughs> the surgical removal or the destruction of the gland. So these later treatments are usually done for thyroid cancer. So going back to my first client that we talked about, her, they thought her thyroid was so damaged beyond repair that the medication was no longer working. And so they were looking at just removing the thyroid so they could regulate it a little bit better because they felt like it, the thyroid gland was just destroyed. This, when they removed the thyroid gland, um, a partial or a full thyroidectomy, um, they typically reserve that for cancer or nodules, um, uh, goiters, those types of things where it becomes um, a larger issue. So outside of the U.S., hypothyroidism is often caused by iodine deficiencies. Um, we just don't typically eat food that are high in iodine, um, things like seaweed, sea, um, kelp, seaweed, noni, you know, the anything like that. We just t typically don't eat them here in the U.S. Um, when there is not enough iodine to make thyroid hormones, the body can't produce them. Iodine is added to uh, the salt here in the U.S., which eliminates, they say, almost all iodine deficiencies. Um, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of iodine salt. I know there's a reason. I know there's a purpose for it. Um, however, I would rather get that iodine from more natural sources and use um, pink Himalayan salt or sea salt or something along those lines. So we're getting that natural form of the salt and then getting natural forms of iodine through food, animal, uh, sea creatures. <laughs> so things like the kelp that I mentioned, um, seaweed or noni, depending on depending on what you guys call it. So since the thyroid hormones are important to all of the cells in the body, symptoms can appear very general and often be seen um, 
as vague or more of a mild case. So, and I'm going to read some of these symptoms to you guys. It's really important that you pay attention because this could be categorized in so many different areas. And this is really why it takes so long for women to get diagnosed or men. Um, typically, I work with women. So women to get diagnosed, especially if they are going through menopause, maybe they're perimenopause, things like that. So fatigue, sleeplessness, mood swings, forgetfulness, weight gain, depression, irritability, muscle cramping or, or achiness, weakness, decreased perspiration, so you're not sweating as much. Um, some of my clients actually sweat more, so that's something uh, you want to take notice of. But typically what I've seen with not sweating as much is our lymphatic system becomes clogged and drain, like it won't drain properly. So we're not getting rid of the toxins that we need to. Um, we'll also see high cholesterol or changes in blood pressure. You'll see swelling in your feet or in your legs, blurred vision, night vision problems, cold intolerances, hoarse voice, which I'm actually kind of sick right now, so my voice is a little hoarse, um, heavy menses, coarse, dry hair or skin, hair loss on the top of your head or even all over your body, and constipation. You guys, I see a ton of constipation. Um, so how is the thyroid <laughs> linked to weight and BMI? So while weight gain or a difficulty losing weight is strongly associated with that hypothyroidism, the connection with the body mass index, BMI, and obesity is, like I said, not really well understood. In 2004, there was a study of patients with obesity. Uh, they were referred to a doctor um, for sleep disorders, and they they found clinically that these people showed signs of thyroid disease, but were technically undiagnosed. Um, they had a higher BMI, their weight was a little bit off, and upon further investigation, they did find subclinical hypothyroidism in about 12% of those patients. Um, and they also found a strong connection between the BMI and the neck circumference which I thought was interesting. I would love to look into that a little bit more um, and just see. So the conclusion that overall morbid obesity was associated with elevated TSH and that the weight loss surgery or weight loss after surgery generally resulted in a decrease in the TSH. And this is important to note that in the study, however, they did not find a direct association between TSH and BMI. However, the research that is being done is causing physicians and doctors to believe that there is um, some correlation between having the elevated TSH in um, circulating hormones inside the body. So like I said, we're still discovering all of this. Currently, a popular theory of this is insulin resistance, so that pre-diabetic insulin resistance um, leads to the changes in the thyroid, and that can result in the changes in the gland, the thyroid gland, and possibly the TSH levels um, for the thyroid hormones. Other things are being examined as well in association with the hormones leptin, ghrelin, 
and um, cortisol. If you are struggling with obesity or weight or struggling to get the weight off, I do highly suggest that at your next annual labs that you really, really encourage your doctor or physician to um, not only test your thyroid, but to also look for things like insulin resistance or diabetes um, because you do have an increased risk of that. So um, one of the things that you can do is you can head over to the show notes. I have a whole guide, the thyroid panel guide. I break down different tests to ask for. Um, and we do have some other episodes on learning to advocate for yourself, getting the right testing for your thyroid, on and on and on, you guys. It's important to test more than TSH. And in the off chance that your doctor or your physician won't run those labs for you, you can order your own labs. There are companies that you can order your own labs. They're at home tests, things like Let's Get Checked. That's the one that I've always used. Um, Paloma is another one, or in some states, you can just go down to Sonora LabQuest or, and just ask them to do it and pay out of pocket. You'll get the results emailed directly to you. It's pretty, pretty simple there. So one more thing that I want to talk about, um, and this is kind of an action step for you guys. And this is something that I honestly kind of forgot about until recently, um, until I was putting this together and I was like, oh yeah, I used to do that. So there is this waist to hip ratio or WHR is one of the many tools that we use to calculate optimal fitness and it can be used to calculate your risk of disease. So people with an apple-shaped body, the love handles, the beer belly, those people are at a higher risk for heart disease. And as the adipose tissue around the midsection is associated with that higher risk, okay, because it's putting extra pressure on the organs inside the body. And the result may be the same for two people. So let's just say we take two people, we look at them, we're like, yeah, body composition is really, really similar. However, um, that does not dictate overall health. And this is why I, I feel very strongly, yes, we talk a lot about weight, but I really, really encourage my clients to put away their scale because I don't want you getting hung up on the number on the scale because I could weigh, let's say 150 pounds. The person next could next to me could weigh 150 pounds and one of us could be more at risk for heart disease and things because of the lack of exercise, because of other lifestyle things. Um, if you guys have never heard of the term skinny fat, <laughs> it is people who are drastically unhealthy even though their body composition is, they have a very low um, BMI scale. So um, just keep that in mind, you know, do with it what you want. Um, I, I do encourage you to at least become familiar with this uh, number and test it out for yourself. So um, the way that I do the waist to hip ratio, I'll tell you that in a second, but I don't just use one thing. We use the waist to hip ratio. We use um, body fat percentage. I'm not a huge, huge fan of the BMI just because 
it's a dumb chart, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I prefer to, like I said, use the waist to hip ratio and the body fat to really get a bigger picture of what is going on. So the importance of the waist to hip ratio are can indicate the the disease risk, um, things like um, high blood pressure, metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, cardiovascular disease. And I have um, some charts you guys can check out inside the show notes. Um, actually, I'm not going to put charts in there. You guys can Google those charts. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to measure your waist, you're going to measure your hips, and then you're going to divide them and you're going to get a number. So the best way to do this is to measure your waist at the smallest point or about where your your belly button will be, and then also around your hips, which is going to be the widest point. Um, hold them snug, but don't over, don't like pull them too tight and record those. So for women, we want the ratios between, um, we want them lower than 0.71. That's a low risk. A high risk is anything over 0.7, or I'm sorry, 82, okay? A lot of this will also depend on your um, age, so do keep that in mind. And like I said, just go Google waist to hip ratio and you guys can can get those things. Um, but the things that we're looking for with that is that metabolic syndrome. So that was the big issue that the first client that I was telling you about, what was going on with her was that metabolic syndrome. And once we address that metabolic syndrome, you guys, her body completely changed she was able to quickly and easily lose a weight without dieting. I, we, when you guys work with me inside the Hanson method, we don't restrict calories. We, the way that I set it up is giving you foods that you should be eating to help with what is going on in your body. So if you're deficient in iodine, I'm going to give you, you know, some resources and lists to help you figure out what you should be eating for that. If you're low in vitamin A, I'm going to be giving you resources for that, giving you meal plans and recipes and things that help support those nutritional deficiencies because we should first get them through food, okay? And then secondary is getting them through lifestyle and sometimes if we need to, getting them through um, supplements and things like that. I, I have to say this because this is a really big thing for me. When I put together people's protocols, I like four or five supplements at the absolute most, because once we get into higher numbers of supplementation, we don't know what is working and what is not working. And we can just really start counteracting the body. Um, and another big question I get all the time from my clients is they're like, okay, if I am put on this, like, do I have to stay on this forever? And the answer is it always depends, right? My big thing. So let me give you another example. On the coaching call last week, one of my clients was like, do I have to take digestive enzymes for the rest of my life? And I told her yes and no. <laughs> um, so if we do our job correctly, you should be able to get off of them and not need them on a daily basis. Um, 
that means that our stomach acid is a good high quality. It's breaking down the foods. We're not gassy. We're not bloated. We're not having heartburn or indigestion. Um, you know, we don't see undigested food in our stool, those types of things. Okay. So that is a big part of it. Um, for me, I take them, especially if I'm going out to eat or I'm eating more processed foods or something that I'm not sure what the ingredients are only because if I don't, then I typically notice some bloating, some uncomfortableness. My husband, you know, brought something home the other day and he was like, oh man, my stomach is kind of crampy or, you know, my stomach is a little unhappy. And I was like, yeah, mine too. And I was like, oh, it's because we both took a bite of, you know, this thing. And he was like, oh man, you're so right. Because it's not something that's typically in our diet. And we were both experiencing symptoms. And in those situations, I have found that my belly is just a little bit happier. (laughs) If I do take some digestive enzymes before, you know, going out to eat at a restaurant. And you guys can choose to do it however you want. Um... So I tell people yes and no. <laughs> um, you can you cannot take them, but typically when we are we have a good clean diet, things kind of tend to sit a little bit different in our stomach. So, anyways, I hope this episode was really really helpful for you guys. If you want to learn more about your metabolism and what you can do to balance it out. Our new Thriving Thyroid Coaching Membership Program is now open to the public. It is amazing. We're having so much fun. This month, we are diving into food combining. We're learning more about the metabolism, how to balance that out, how to get out of that metabolic syndrome if you're struggling with that. We're also going to be learning about combining foods and protein, carbs, fats, all of those things that you need to know. And let me give you a little secret here. I have found in a lot of cases that learning how to combine your food is more effective than elimination diets. So it's definitely something to check out and consider joining us in the Hanset or in the thyroid coaching membership. It is a month to month subscription. You can cancel at any time and you are going to get all of the back information of what we have going on. But more importantly, you're going to get what we are talking about for the month of April. And that is food combining your metabolism and understanding how to regulate your blood sugar levels so that all of your hormones can build off of each other and you can start seeing progress forward. All right, you guys, check out the show notes. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Thriving Thyroid. And I will see you in the next. Wait before you go. Please subscribe. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a review and share on Instagram. And please tag us. We love your reviews.